Chris Gowser here with Matt Howell. And this week on The First Run, we kick off our summer experiment and drop down to one film. What does that mean? For one, I have to slow this intro down so I don't end up before the sing- theme song does. <laughs> That should be enough time. <laughs> this week, we check out the Shutter original, The Ghost Story, Brooklyn 45. As always, you give you the top physical media releases for the week, our straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week, and then wrap it all up with our five favorite horror films on streaming. Did that work? I think that worked. Now let's get this show started, boys and ghouls, with a clip from Brooklyn 45. During the Great War, my no-good uncle charged folks a buffalo nickel to give him messages from their dead kids. They just want to feel like something else is out there. They're scared. It's all hooey. Yeah, well, you know, but uh, out of every hundred cases that they debunk, all that hooey, one or two check out. I mean, they got a whole society that keeps tabs on it in the UK. Come on, Hawk. Now, I've known you since we were eight years old. You used to laugh at people who bought into this malarkey. Well, I'm not saying that I believe it. Listen. You're all here tonight. And that's... That's very special. And I'm just wondering if you would humor me. Well, Matt, let's humor him. What is Brooklyn 45 all about? Sure, a group of American soldiers and officers... They get together after World War II in the home of, uh, I think, their commanding officer. And he asks them to hold a seance for his recently deceased wife. They begrudgingly agree. And of course, because this is Shudder and this is a horror movie, and I said it was a ghost story, shit gets real and things go wrong. As the kids say, holler. Absolutely, (laughs) man. So... This premiered on Shudder, a little bit of buzz on the internet as well. Get World War II, potentially got some Nazis, right? Always looking for a nice little ghost story as well. But also, longtime listeners of the show know Matt is not really a fan of play adaptations, though Mm. there is no information about this ever being a play. It's written and directed by uh, Ted Gagan, But it definitely feels that way. The entire film is basically confined to this one room as the seance basically falls apart and then something evil enters the room, potentially, and things go from there. But Matt, how were your thoughts on Brooklyn 45? Did it have that kind of stagey play feel to you? And if so, were you able to kind of surpass that? Was it a good ghost story? What were your thoughts? Mm -hmm. So I didn't immediately think of play. You know what I thought of when I was watching this? that this is a higher budget, longer length episode of like an an anthology series. Like this is a Mm. Tales from the Crypt episode or a Tales from the Dark Side episode that has been stretched to an hour and a half and put into a single room with maybe a little bit more budget. Um, If you kind of take it from that vein, I think it's okay. I think it's relatively solid. There's a lot of talking. There's not a lot of happen stuff that's necessarily happening. There's a lot of talking about events that happened in the war. So there's a lot of telling, not showing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there's not necessarily enough supernatural. There's not necessarily enough dread that's kind of tied to the supernatural in my taste. But overall, I think 
it's it's mildly successful. I mean, it was relatively entertaining. Yeah, I think so. I think first thing I thought of was watching this. Man, grief is back and it's hotter than ever. <laughs> We've gotten a lot of grief and trauma. Like everybody's just going through all the negative emotions and putting up a monster on screen for us. Yeah, and I think Gagan's got an interesting idea of a film here. You have some people that are back from the war. They may have done some things they're not proud of and their fight to defend the country and to defeat the Nazis. They're all internally working through this stuff, and by this group of friends coming back together, kind of maybe has allowed them to process some of that. But things kind of go off the rails once they realize why they're there, and they kind of have to face some of the things they did um, head on. And some of them deal with it more successfully than others. And I think that may be... Well, I agree with you. Uh, that generally I think the film's entertaining or worth watching. I think that the focus perhaps is too much on this group of friends and their kind of dealing with what they've done and their into interpersonal relationships. And I don't think it, the problem is too, it's not like it focuses too much. It's too repetitive on it. Mm. There's a few times where we have some dialogue that is basically almost repeated as they kind of go through stuff and we kind of just revisit this same kind of, fateful decision that has to be made over and over again and i don't think there's enough ground covered in between those moments or enough new or fascinating things introduced to kind of make the well yeah are we going to kill this thing or not type of a thing you know that kind of keeps coming back up i don't mm-hmm. know maybe the film would have been improved by having kind of flashback flashbacks yeah. you know where we're actually in the trenches where blowing up the schools whatever that is we're doing now granted we don't have the budget for that Let's be perfectly clear. But still, I don't know. I think each of them harboring their own guilt. Also adjusting from coming home from the war, right? I mean, that's an entirely different mind space that I can't even begin to contemplate. But I don't know, man. It's just, I think some of the horror stuff is good. There is one particular scene where one character kind of reinforces their desire for what they want people to do about in the room by repeatedly slamming themselves into a table that mm-hmm. I found particularly effective. Um, but you're right. I think your projection or your, your suggestion that this seems just like an elongated Tales from the Crypt episode is spot on. Like this would be like a great creep show segment type thing. I right. think you're exactly right. 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 Yeah, and I think this thing is really hampered by its budget. I think it could have been a lot better if you'd had some suspense about what they actually did by showing kind of progressively a flashback and um, maybe introduce some of the more spooky supernatural elements. But it's just they just don't have the money for it, so you don't really get any of that here. And it's unfortunately to its detriment. I mean, I I don't think it's necessary always in every film, but sure enough. in this in this one, I think it would have been better served if it had a little bit more cheddar as the kids say (laughs) yeah another thing too i think that the the stakes don't really seem to i may be repeating myself here but kind of increase and wind up Mm -hmm. i feel like they get wound up and then everything kind of slows down again and then they get wound up and then everything kind of slows down again instead of this constant feeling of tension and propulsion like we're going to an inevitable conclusion I think Gagan may undercut himself a little bit there. Another thing, too, I'm curious for your thoughts on. I want to say the construction of the room itself and the clothing, the set design, all that stuff seems period accurate to me. Everything looks like it should, Mm -hmm. and it's very well structured and and designed and all that stuff. But I have questions about the way he shot it. Okay. Because 
And I'm talking about the fact that it kind of feels, as I said, a little stagey because we're confined to a room. But everything, it, I, I, this thing screams like high-tech, crystal clear digital camera to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it needs some type of lens, if it needs some type of filter or something. Everything just looks too clean and modern. It looks like somebody putting on a stage player, a modern film production of a past event. It doesn't. It didn't feel authentically enough to me, like it was 1945. Is my issue? Right. I think. So you think it should have? It could have benefited from the like washed out colors, like Saving Private Ryan or Band of Brothers, where they kind of desaturate everything and it makes it look like it's a faded newsreel kind of thing. Maybe a little bit. Maybe not to that same degree, mm -hmm. but something a little more aware. Or I'm not sure what the case may be, but yeah, I think the fact that how vibrant some of the color in here kind of pulled me out of the fact that this is supposed to be 1945 sure and uh, maybe that's my own issue i'm not sure but uh, and also too this is a, such a stupid thing and i feel horrible even saying it is it ezra bunting i can't remember it was a jeffrey holm yeah ezra bunting buzzington who plays major paul defranco mm -hmm. man that guy's ears it's distractingly yeah, <laughs> large and big out and yeah. uh i don't i don't normally i don't like the you know what are you gonna do you can't really i guess what people pin their ears some yeah. people pin them back but yeah it's it's all it's distracting to me sometimes yeah. well I, it's, it's a not, minor thing but it's just it's not helped by the severe army haircut you know where it's, it's yes yeah. if you had a little more a little more fluff a little more stuff going on up there it probably wouldn't be as bad yeah, possibly. Mm -hmm. I, I apologize, Ezra. I'm sure you're a wonderful guy. I really, and I have my own issues. I got a crooked tooth. Mm -hmm. I have a, a bunch of other stuff, just so that people know that I am hardly the uh, specimen of physical perfection that Matt is. So, <laughs> well, you know, it's tough. What can I say? Yeah. So, would you, did you feel, though, that the group kind of had that sense of camaraderie? Like they were all friendly and close and stuff? Not really. Or? I didn't really buy yeah. a lot of the relationships. I think mm -hmm. that they. It, well, I guess uh, maybe to be fair, it's more like this. It's more like they were colleagues. They kind of developed close relationships based on the circumstances that they were forced into. But like once you remove those circumstances, I would have been more believable if none of these people ever spoke to each other again kind of thing. Like they didn't strike me as friends. It almost like it was more like uh, circumstances. And I'm not sure the circumstances that brought them back together were strong enough to me as far as a, a plot device to kind of pull them back together. Cause they didn't really seem like they liked each other all that much. They definitely, I think it's, I interpreted that as more just the strain of the collective experience sure. that they had been through. Except of course with um, Ron Raines' character, Bob Sheridan, who plays mm -hmm. the wife of the interrogator, mm -hmm. uh, who clearly she is not above torture yeah. to get the information she needs to get. Right. Another right. nice little, I think, see, it's got, pockets of some really interesting fun stuff in it but i mean again i think gagan we know what's going to happen mm -hmm. i think with bob sheridan's character the way he builds that up i yeah. think that that's a big that's a bit of a issue i have with it too is that there's a sense of inevitability that's not filled with any kind of real suspense mm -hmm. like i know what he's going to that but sheridan's going to do something he's going to be you know the guy or it's maybe it's going to be revealed that the whole time he was actually like a james bondish character type of thing <laughs> right because he's this meek and mild character but you right. just know where we're racing to i don't right. even want to say racing maybe casually strolling to yeah right but Fair enough, Matt. So, any final thoughts on Brooklyn Forty Five? Do you want to give me a score? Yeah, I think I'm going to give it a C plus. I think it's mm -hmm. it's workmanlike. I think it's 
decent enough, but unfortunately there's a lot out there on streaming that's just better. So unless you've kind of gone through a lot of things, uh, I would say you could put this pretty far down on your list to catch up with. Yeah, I have the same grade as well. C+, I think that at times is very successful, other times middling. Uh, overall, though, if you want a kind of solid, find a you know, ghost story that confined to a room with people dealing with some more personal issues, if that's if you want more interpersonal relationships and, as we said, dealing with trauma and grief with the occasional what the hell is that in the corner type of thing, then I think you, you'll be entertained by Brooklyn 45. Sure mm-hmm. enough. It's just, yeah, C+, plus, I agree. So uh, Brooklyn 45, Matt, is currently streaming on Shudder. Uh, you can watch it there now. I still struggle with Shudder. What are they streaming at? Like 370p or something like that? <laughs> it, I mean, it looks okay. Yeah. It doesn't look, you know, horrible. And I know they don't have the budget for like Max. Well, who knows what Max is going to do? But, you know, HBO is, you know, 4K. Yeah. Know, Dolby Digital Streaming. But, right. uh, of course, they have the the big pockets that Shutter doesn't, unfortunately. I don't know why I said that. It looks fine. <laughs> Shows an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, what's coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, 620, June 20th. And also, I th- want to... Spend a few minutes talking about also one of the big controversies in the uh, physical digital media world right now. Matt, this is getting released uh, shortly. You must be tired. I will tell you more tomorrow. Seven fat years and seven lean years. That's what it says in the Bible. You ever kill anybody? I hurt somebody's feelings once. Oh, I know you. I don't think so. I'd remember. This may be blasphemous to say, uh, since no, I don't know if anybody really is as good as Brad Pitt as eating a sandwich and acting. Mm-hmm. But still, uh, De Niro is going to be right up there with him. That, of course, is a clip from John Frankenheimer's Ronin, mm. one of the uh, better action films. Is that the late 90s? Early aughts? I think it's late 90s. I think it's late okay. 90s. So it's getting released in uh, 4K from Kino Lorber. I had it on DVD. And I upgraded to, well, transition into it in a minute, iTunes HD digital download about three years ago because it was like $4.99, $3.99. I thought it was a nice cheap way to upgrade that one because I do enjoy it. But Matt, I want to get your take on the big controversy with the French connection in it. So there is a, are you aware of this before or am I going to catch you cold? You're going to catch me cold. Okay. So... Disney now owns Fox, right? Right. And Fox is, uh, I believe, the original distributor, theatrical, you know, uh, studio behind the French Connection. And there's a scene the French Connection with Popeye Doyle, Gene Hackman, and Roy Scheider's character. They're in the walking, you know, Scheider's walking out of the room. He's in the police station, and Hackman says, basically, never trust an N word, mm-hmm. right? And uh, have, let's play let's play that clip over and over again right now for about 15 minutes. No, I'm not kidding. So, but what happened is they pulled it. They edited that clip out. Okay. There's, so it actually it jumps from Schneider walking out of the room into the lobby of the police station. And it jumps to him like right next to Hackman. That whole scene is gone. Okay. And you can't. It's the same way on even on the Criterion channel. It's gone. Okay. Right. So that seems to be one of the concerns. See, I've been... I'll be honest with you. And if you've listened lately, you may have picked up. I've been getting lazy. Mm. And I've been buying more digital stuff. Right. 
then this kind of stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand the intention behind it. I get it. But also, if you're trying to illustrate and show us how, you know, certain members of law enforcement, maybe at the time, Mm -hmm. certainly not now, may have had some racial issues, Right, and that's just how they talked over the case. I I struggle with removing that because you're you're pulling out a piece of what that was like. I'm not gonna say a piece of history, but that. But then also you're also impairing a director's vision as well, right? And a writer and an actor's for that matter as well. So I really struggle with it. I don't see the point of this. If you want to throw on some type of uh, trigger warning type stuff at the beginning, update the ratings code, say includes you know not just. Uh, foul language and violence, but racially insensitive dialogue or offensive dialogue, whatever the case may be, and pop that up at the beginning before the film starts or something. I'm cool with that, right? But this wholesale gutting, not just gutting, it's not like it's integral to the film, but this choppy editing of movies, I struggle with. I don't don't like it. And especially if you're a digital person, like if you buy the digital copy of that, it's gone. Okay. They're able to, you know, unless you've downloaded that file to your hard drive. Yeah. If you stream it through iTunes, it's gone. Okay. Interesting. What do you think? Yeah. So I think this is kind of akin to the controversy that was earlier in the year or was last year where a a British publisher, I think, removed a bunch of things from Roald Dahl's um, books, Mm -hmm. you know, that they found questionable and stuff like that. So you get this idea of the art that was created, warts and all kind of thing. I'm a firm believer that it should stand. And regardless of what it says, you need to understand, A, what the person who wrote it was thinking, what their shortcomings were, what their flaws were, you know, how bad of a person they were. And it also talks to the time. Like you said, I don't think it does us any kind of service to say, to remove stuff like that when we know it was more open and it existed and it still exists now, but it was even worse back then to an extent like that doesn't help anybody because you're almost saying that it didn't happen well it did happen so i don't know i think that's a i don't i'm a firm believer that something as it's created should be left to be created and the consumer of the the book the movie the music should decide how they're going to interact with it and you know what it means to them yeah maybe have a conversation about it too maybe it'll prompt a conversation that needs to happen and i do appreciate that matt and i are two middle-aged white guys sure. talking about this so i put that out there but i also struggle with, i agree with it because also with the roll doll i don't know if you've ever read any james bond books yeah i know in the film live and let die whew, there is some really sketchy stuff in that film the book is worse and I mean, they've actually gone in and changed some of the verbiage over the years. Uh, and there was one chapter that actually has the N word in like the chapter title of the original book. So um, yeah, I I don't know. I deal with the 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 the, the piece, the art, not think on its merits, and then go from there. Like, because then what do you do too? Do you go in and just start banning H.P. Lovecraft's writings yeah, exactly. entirely? Because exactly. that guy, he was, he was, he was even. He was insanely racist, even for the 1930s, which really should tell you something. Um, so, uh, yeah, that. But you, you can't you can't excise those two things from the the man. And then, yeah, what do you do going forward? So, like uh, a book that I love, uh, Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy, is about these you know Cherokee and Navajo scalp hunters, right? That in it just it's horribly brutal, besides violent, but it's all very racial, obviously you know, for obvious reasons, because that's how it was. 
are you just not going to make that's that's been greenlit to a film so are you how are you going to sanitize the whole very purpose of what it is that they're trying to tell you about i don't know like i I just don't see how you can take one out of the other yeah that's interesting to me matt so they're actually making i thought that one of those that was one of those where they felt like it's almost impossible to yeah. film that thing. Yeah. So I mean, uh, from what I understand, it was recently announced. It sounds like it's it's moving forward. Now whether it actually doesn't fall apart or anything like that, we shall see. But um yeah, it's progressing from what I understand. It seems like it's uh on a serious track this time to be produced. Interesting. All right. Well that's it, folks. So Oh, and one final thought. If you're one of these J holes who's gonna throw your copy of French Connection on Blu-ray on ebay for 250 bucks now because of that you can go f yourself all right we don't need it i have no respect for people like you absolutely none so to tie this back around what does this have to do with ronan oh nothing (laughs) nothing okay cool i I think well it's frankenheimer right you directed both french connection and uh ronan all right very good very good you're welcome i thought they tied together somehow i i'm sorry no no robert de niro was caught saying some really eating a sandwich and they were gonna take it out because they yeah. didn't like that he was eating an Italian cold cut sandwich. That's right. <laughs> so there, yes. Yeah, let us know your thoughts on that, or don't. I don't. That's fine. Either way, maybe it's best. Either way, Matt. Ooh, ooh. You may be upset that this is my uh, number. Number five. Skin Brink is being released on Blu-ray by RLJE Entertainment. You can buy it with Walmart. You get a steel book, Matt. It includes an audio mm-hmm. commentary with director, writer, editor. Kyle Edward Ball, as well as cinematographer Jamie McRae. We're going to be picking up Skinamarink. You were a fan. Yes, I'm going to pick it up. You should read the Blu-ray review on Blu-ray.com. That guy did not like it. It's <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> Four. Arrow is putting out the game trilogy. These are the uh, set of films directed by Toru Murakawa, The Most Dangerous Game, The Killing Game, and The Execution Game. Uh, we get brand new audio commentaries some interviews as well and more i have not seen these films but i've always heard pretty good things about them then after that get three coffins ready Uh guy Ritchie's the covenant is being released i couldn't find a 4k just a uh blu-ray on it though so but this is the one where jake gyllenhaal right he has his interpreter who gets left behind and he actually goes back to the uh, to the war to try and rescue and get him out to bring him back to the states supposedly based on a true story but uh, here it's okay. It's okay. Okay. I don't know. I, just, I, I guess I just still like my Guy Ritchie British crime drama guy. That seems to be the, the way for me. Looks like we're shy one horse. <laughs> you brought too, too many. Matt Criterion is putting out Medicine for Melancholy. This is, I wasn't aware of this. Sometimes I'm just disturbingly ignorant. Barry Jenkins' debut feature. Moonlight, and um, what's the one I love that I can't now remember the name of? Beale Street, right? Yes. Thank you. Jesus Christ, Chris. You know, some, it features Wyatt Cenac. It's 24 hours and a tentative relationship of two young San Franciscans, also dealing with a conundrum of being a minority in a rapidly gentrifying city. Brand new master approved by Jenkins. A new audio commentary by him as well, as well as an archival one from 2008 and more. But I've never seen it, so I really want to jump on that because Jenkins is just some beautiful, beautiful films. And then finally, Matt, there can be only one. it's happening. I know you've been waiting a long time. 
Not only is Avatar The Way of Water being released on Blu-ray and 4K this upcoming Tuesday, so is the original Avatar. So you can finally add them to your collections. Wow. Best Buy gives you a steelbook. Walmart has a lenticular cover, and Target has like a decal sticker thing. And there's a series of featurettes on the making of the film uh, called the Pandora's Box. This, that's all for the way of water. Mm. I couldn't track down uh, stuff about the first film uh, in time for the show. But if you're an Avatar fan, now you can pick them up in 4K. Have you be buying either of these in 4K? Mm, I'm good. I'm Fair good. enough. <laughs> You're going to wait for the big box set that comes out. Yeah, that's out. right. That's right. I want to make sure I get all of it all at once. And then some other 4K releases. You heard about Ronin. Uh, Vanilla Sky, the Tom Cruise film, as well as his film The Firm, all being released in 4K. Matt, your straight-to-DVD pick of the week. I'm going to go with I Am T-Rex. After a power-hungry number, a power-hungry Matt dinosaur from outside the valley attacks the king of dinosaurs by surprise, a young T-Rex escapes and begins to train Vowing never to return until he is the biggest and bravest in all the land, and finally strong enough to challenge the evil Fang and restore peace to Green Valley. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? So Amazon just dropped a trailer for the new season of Good Omens, so I'm going to recommend people go out and check the first season of Good Omens. It is based on a book by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, starring Michael Sheen as the disgraced angel Azraphael and his best frenemy, David Tennant as the demon Crowley as they try and to get involved into a bungling execution of the apocalypse Armageddon prophecy. And it's quite funny and it's quite good. And it's a, it's a, it's a fun, fun story. So I'm, I'll be interested to see what they do for season two because they pretty much wrapped up the book in season one. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I know of it, but I have not seen it. So I did finish Barry season one though, since the last time we spoke and and uh wow really good stuff yeah I, it's, it's better it's shocking how well he balances the humor and the violence mm. and the horror of the entire thing i'm yeah. i'm really impressed by it because that is that is a tight tight rope tight tight rope to walk and uh, he they do a really good job on that show so. what amazes me the most about that show is how well the characterization is because you sympathize with killers or you like them and then they kind of bring it back around and like, oh yeah, these are really bad people. And then at the same time, they make you, even the people that are, you know, normal, decent people, they have like some serious personality flaws are like, man, that person is really just annoying as hell and I don't like them. But at the same time, they twist it around and it's like, ooh, but they didn't deserve that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really good all around. That scene when he's in a spoiler for a show that's been on the air for years now. That yeah. scene when he's in the car with his friend. Oh, yeah. And his friend's like, I, I got to go to the police. I have to talk to him. And then the hater is just like, why did you say that? Yeah. <laughs> and that whole, it's just, it is so good. Yeah. So, wow. All right. Enough. Let's keep rolling, Matt, and spend a few minutes. Oh, no, that's it. We don't have a second film. We Jeez, don't have a second get film. Get out of your set. habit. Yeah. Whew, final segment time. Matt and I, to go along with Broken 45, are going to recommend five horror streaming picks for you uh, right now across the streaming universe. I thought about limiting it to just like one, mm -hmm. but not everybody has just that one, so that way we get a little bit for everybody. But here's one I think I've mentioned a few times, so I didn't want to know my number five I've mentioned dozens of times, but I didn't <laughs> want to bring it up. Didn't quite make the cut, but... After listening to the clip to pull that for the show, I desperately want to watch it again. So, look at these people. So happy to be here with you. I think.
think we should take a moment to look at each other. Really look. Please raise your glass. To a better world. To peace. Cheers. Will, you do not want to go this Let's way. Let's go, Kira. We're leaving right now. No, 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 we are leaving now. What are you doing? Man, Logan Marshall Green absolutely loses his shit in Karen Kuisama's The Invitation, a film about a bunch of friends who get together for a dinner party in, I think, in the L.A. Hills. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But there's something just slightly off about this dinner party. And uh, I don't know. I It's weird, Matt. Just thinking about it. I got a little chill just thinking. About it. I really want to rewatch this film. I remember watching it and being like, holy crap, that's insane. That's so good. <laughs> I don't know. What are your thoughts on The Invitation? Yeah, I thought it was a really good, tense little film where the slow burn is... is it, The payoff at the end is, is really good. I enjoyed The Invitation quite a bit. Yeah, that's currently streaming on Shudder, Matt. All right, start us off. What's the uh, your fifth pick for everybody? All right, so my number five, or my five picks, I just want to lay this out there. So I thought about it. I mean, obviously, I didn't want to go too obvious. I didn't want to list out, you know, yeah. The Thing or American Werewolf in London. We've talked about those a lot. So all of mine are going to be hard sits in one way or another. So um, <laughs> let's uh, let's lay that out there. So my number five is a film by Gaspar No, a very polarizing director um, called Climax. It is a troupe of French dancers who get together and one of them literally spikes the punch and it becomes a nightmare scene of a really, really, really bad trip that is just relentless and it's visual, it's sonic and it's emotional assault on you the whole time. But it has a really great opening dance number, which I highly recommend you check out. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, yeah. yeah. I think you enjoyed it a little bit more than me, but mm-hmm. that thing is, uh, yeah, that's quite the trip for sure. My number five then is a bit of a cheat because that's what I like to do. Mm-hmm. It's three examples of the French New Wave extremist run that is currently all on Shutter: High Tension, Inside, and Martyrs. Mm-hmm. All three of them are very intense experiences and uh, feel free to send me an email after you watch them complaining that you never you know want to listen to anything i say again but i enjoy all three of those films inside probably my favorite of the three uh but there's a fourth one on there called caliver which i'm not familiar with which i'm gonna make sure i catch up with so um but yeah it so you have high tension which is young girl and her family are being stalked by a serial killer or maybe they're not there's inside about the pregnant woman who is being stalked by this other woman who is obsessed with her, desperately just wants her baby. Mm-hmm. And then Martyrs, you have this young woman. Well, I guess the, the less I say about Martyrs, the better. Mm-hmm. So, but those are my, that's my five. So there you go. That's her five. Okay. And I think uh, we, we have different ones. I think your favorite of those is Inside, whereas I, mine is Martyrs of those three. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so my number two then, again, a very polarizing, very, very polarizing film. Uh, Chris just mentioned it, Skinamarink. Uh, I 
hesitate to even describe what this thing is about. Um, essentially, a pair of very young siblings, they wake up, their parents are gone, uh, there are no exits to their house, and they are trapped in their own home with a malevolent entity of some kind. Now, for me... I had a very visceral reaction while I was watching this. The sound design, the kind of grainy quality of it, the straining at shadows to see stuff. And just the whole thing I thought was incredibly disturbing. I loved it. And I think there's a lot of people that either you hate it or you really love it. There's very few people that are just kind of in the middle besides our esteemed co-host here. Um, But I think it's worth a sit. And if you hate it, and you're mad at me, I'm sorry, but if you love it like I did, then you're welcome. Come upstairs. <laughs> it's, it's creepy as hell. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, alright, fair enough. Alright, my, my, my man, Matt Bach. Number four, easy for you to say, is the uh, British film from the uh, late 1950s called The Fiend Without a Face. It's currently streaming on the Criterion channel. There is a experimental kind of station in Canada and something happens at this American army base there where people start being just murdered and their brains and spinal cords are missing from their bodies. And it is this weird kind of paranoia, you know, communist thriller type thing. But the thing I love about The Fiend Without a Space, a face, <laughs> The Fiend Without a Face and I watched it when I was a kid, and it always freaked me out because the monsters are basically invisible, but they eventually show up, and it's it's just a brain with a spinal column mm. kind of floating around. Yeah. It's a great visual, and I just wanted to throw in some kind of old-school 50s sci-fi horror, and that's one of my favorites. It's, it's not as <laughs> really consistently strong throughout, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's a lot of great moments, and it's something you can... Pretty much watch with the kids, but it's just a weird, fun little sci-fi horror film. So that's my four. Yeah, it's one of those classic B films from the fifties. It's it's yep. a fun set. Um, all right, speaking of fun sets, my number three then is um, a film that I quite enjoy for its punk rock aesthetic, and that is uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Jeremy Saulnier's uh, Green Room. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of stretching the idea of what a horror film is, but it is a masterclass of tension where a punk band, they get a last minute show in the wilderness of Oregon and they realize too late that in a lot of the more rural parts of Oregon, there's a lot of neo-Nazis and skinheads out there. So they've come to find out that's who they're performing for and things take a really bad turn really quickly. The thing that really sells me besides the tension and the panic and the suspense, the violence in it is incredibly graphic, but it is not, but it's almost mundane. It's not flashy. It is just very matter of fact. It happens. It's very brutal in there. And it seems very, very real, which is something you can't say for a lot of horror films. And yeah. You know, uh, late Anton Yelchin, he's there. You know, Patrick Stewart shows up as an, an excellent villain. Um, I really love Green Room. And it's got a really good cover of Nazi Punk's Fuck Off by the Dead Kennedys. So there, there you go. go. That is a great one, man. That's another one, too. I bought five bucks on iTunes a while back. Nice. Now I'm just terrified what's going to happen with it. <laughs> so am I then number three? Uh, Jonathan Glazer's Under the Skin, which is mm. currently streaming on Come Max. On. 
Uh, Scarlett Johansson plays an alien, shows up in a field. She is found in, by a woman, and then she gets clothes, you know, gets some clothes, and then ventures out into the night, seducing men, and then submerging them into this black, inky liquid, and sucking the life force, if not everything inside of their bodies, out of them, and absorbing it herself. And it is a weird spacey kind of disturbing horror film with a wonderful score by Mika Levy. It's one of my favorite things about it, but it's just kind of weird, esoteric kind of, I don't know. You can't really put your finger on what's happening and why and everything. And in the end she kind of, well, I don't, I don't want to ruin it for you, but it is, if you're in the mood for something odd and weird, then uh, under the skin is there. And it's creepy and, Pardon the pun, Matt. It gets under your skin. So. Mm, yeah, that's a really good pick. Uh, yeah, that is a wild fever dream of a movie. And it, guys, don't watch it with the kids. Don't watch it with your parents. No. Yeah, just it's it's there's a lot of stuff going on there. And I read that book. It's really way different than the book. In fact, it's way better than the book. So um, hmm. yeah, check it out. Um, all right. So my number two then was a late uh, punt. I did have martyrs here, but I didn't want to repeat ourselves. So I moved martyrs over to our um, honorable mention. But my number two then is going to be a film that just came out. Um, Mad God, a mm -hmm. claymation weirdness uh, of an assassin's descent into the various levels of hell. As far as I can tell, um, just wild visuals, light on plot, but very disturbing. I, yeah, I think it's just something you just have to kind of watch and experience. And again, tell me how much, how mad you are that uh, you watched it versus me recommending it. And um, we'll see where we stand. There you go. And I'd say more stop motion animation than claymation. Mm, that's true. That's, over, right? that's better. That's a better description. Yeah, but no, that that is a weird, good one. That's true. Uh, then my number two, Matt, I feel like we've mentioned a bunch of times, so I apologize for repeating myself. But it's going to be uh, Nobiku Obayashi's uh, Haosu, mm. uh, also known as House, currently available on HBO Max and the Criterion Channel. Uh, a group of young girls, um, one of them known as Gorgeous, uh, so because of her, how beautiful she supposedly, and they go for a summer vacation to her widowed father's house. He was a composer and stuff. And they get there, and there's a lot of crazy shit going down. It's a fun kind of psychedelic horror film, just very weird and bizarre. It, it's one of those two where you just it transports you to kind of another plane of reality, and it's really an odd experience of a film. But it's just so crazy and out out just completely out there that you're just mesmerized by it and that's how i feel about house it's it's one of those things it's just you watch it afterwards you're gonna be like holy shit what the hell did i that's insane i loved it type of a thing right so it's not your typical haunted house film don't go in looking for a straightforward um horror film it's just it's something completely different but i think it's you should definitely check it out so, yeah house is go. pretty wild i was not prepared to what i got on that one um all right so my number one then is uh i think one again i think we've mentioned relatively recently it is a film um called saint maud uh mm. where a young woman who is very devout but is in the uh what's the word flagellant school of self-punishment is the way to god kind of thing um where she you know tortures herself and while she takes care of an older woman and yeah is what's happening real 
Is it is it all a fever dream? Uh, I'll leave for you to decide. I think it could be decided in many different ways, but uh, Morphid Clark is is fantastic in it. So I uh, again another tough sit that'll leave you guessing, and it's really well done. It's one of the most shocking endings of a film I've seen in the last five years. I mean, mm-hmm. that last scene is just. Oof. That's another one that gives me a chill too. And then when she's dealing with or caring for that woman too, in mm. that that turn, I ugh, yeah, no, that is a that is a good one, Matt. So my number one though is a bit of an older film, 1973. Wow, so that's 50 years ago now. Wow. Is uh, and I'm talking now the original. Don't give me that Nicolas Cage BS. <laughs> but uh, Robin Hardy's The Waker Man. Uh, Edward Woodward is a cop. There's this little Hamlet village on an island. There, a young girl has disappeared. And he's sent there to find out what happened to her. Christopher Lee is kind of the guy in charge here. I can't remember. Is he the mayor or is he like the priest? Uh, He's the lord. Lord Mm. Summer Isle. I guess he's in charge of the village. And something's up. Something's going on. And that's all I'm going to tell you. And it is just another crazy film dealing kind of like, you know, the was it Shelly? What's her name? The lottery where people kind of just yeah. do things for a long time for, because that's just the way it was done. And kind of another examination of religious fanaticism as well. And what kind of people can get to or do if they're that scared or feel that they have God on their side type of a thing. And it goes some places you don't expect though. You may be familiar with the story at this point. Now, as I said, the movie's 50 years old. Uh, there is a gorgeous 4K set coming out in the UK on this. Uh, I was eyeing it. I have it on Blu-ray, which I think I have all three cuts in that Blu-ray. So I'm really hesitant to pull the trigger on it, Matt, because it's like a hundred dollars. Wow! And I just can't justify. It's like eighty-five, eighty, ninety dollars for this set in 4K. I, I actually picked up the Anchor Bay put out a wood box. Mm-hmm. With the Wicker Man burned, stamped into the top of it for DVD, like, I don't know, in the 90s? Yeah. And I picked that up at a local record store here for like 10 bucks. I was right. all excited. And I put my Blu-ray in that box and I basically tossed the DVD <laughs> that it came with. But I've always loved the Wicker Man and it just it's just a master class in building tension yeah. as the mystery slowly gets resolved and you realize what's really happening in this town. So that's my one. That's a good one. Um, so, honorable mentions, you want me to go first? Sure, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Martyrs, as I mentioned, uh, Deadstream on Shudder is a fun mm. uh, look at uh, people. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's 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 good. It's it's uh, takes aim at the people who are content creators, and one decides to go into a haunted house, much to his detriment. Um, Spring, uh, about a man who falls in love with a woman who may not be a woman, and uh, <laughs> Tigers Are Not Afraid, which is uh, that Mexican horror film we watched mm-hmm. uh, last year, and uh, The Blazing World, another very polarizing film. A lot of people really hate it, but it is a visual fever dream of a film. Nice. My uh, this is all on Max. Um, Mimic Guillermo del Toro's film with Mira Servino. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think is really good. Orphan. I just I love me some Orphan. And then uh, the Lodge, which mm-hmm. is one we did for the show a couple of years ago that I think was criminally underappreciated about a couple of young kids who try to drive their stepmother crazy. Yeah, I think she's going mad. Kind of a gaslighting film. And then uh, 1978's Invasion of the Body Snatchers, yeah. which is currently on Max with Donald Sutherland. I just got that on 4K. Uh, Kino uh, Lorber, there was a Kino sale on Amazon for that and a couple other films. I ordered uh, Manchurian Candidate, which I only owned on DVD, 
and something else I'm blanking on. But I only own Invasion of the Body Snatchers on DVD as well. And that's one of my favorite horror films of the 70s is this version of the Body Snatchers. So I'm this supposed to be a really nice transfer. So I'm excited about that. Um, Basket Case, Frank Henenlotter's film on Criterion. You want to talk about a great C-level <laughs> uh, horror film from back in the day. Kind of guerrilla filmmaking, but Basket Case with Belial is one of my favorites. And then Netflix has, of course, one of the... Patreon films of the show, one of our archive or vault sh- movies, it follows is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mist as well, which is very good. Darabont's The Mist. And then I'd have to throw in there on Prime and Shudder, one of the unsung classics of 80s uh, slasher genre, The Prowler. Mm. Not a lot of people have seen The Prowler. Yeah, it is really effective. If you like 80s slasher films, you owe it to yourself to watch The Prowler. It's very good. All right. So uh, that's it, folks. Those are our picks. What's your? Do you have a favorite one? Or check any of these out. We'd love to hear what you thought of them. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, what's coming up on the big show next week? All right. Well, we got to go fast. And now we're going to check out uh, Ezra Miller and The Flash and see if the hype is warranted. I've heard. I'm not going to say it. Somebody I follow on Twitter. And I'd, heard, I'd suspected this, that there is a major cameo in this mm. and a lot of people are very upset about it mm. so you can probably put your thinking cap on and figure out who that cameo is okay. i'm if i'm right and i'll talk to you about it as soon as we disconnect here um i'm i'm of two minds of it because i feel well I, we'll talk about it next week if it, if it happens if it shows up but or if you don't want me to tell you what it is so you're surprised then mm. we won't discuss it okay so uh yeah we'll have to see what happens with that and then we can talk more about I think we have a segment. We're going old school, right? Next week, we're finally getting back to our regular theme stuff. No, we're not. We're doing the five Rankum Snyderverse. Oh boy, Chris, that's not a great idea. All right. <laughs> In the meantime, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you'll find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. Uh, we just recorded our screen run episode on uh, John Carpenter's Vampires, which dropped on Monday, which should have been his comeback film. All the elements were there. Not so much. And I just watched Ghosts of Mars, which we'll be recording this week. And, well, I don't want to ruin it. You'll have to listen to that. That I have a different opinion of that film than I did when I first saw it. That's all I'll say. Interesting. And uh, that's going to be it for now. So we're going to go ahead, take an extended break. We will see you all soon. Take care of yourselves. We love you very much. Except for you, Dave. You don't we don't care for you.